Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro. We are in Parshat Truma. Um, I, it, it, it's a somewhat repetitive run uh, that we are entering into. Um, four of the next five parshiot are about the construction of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, the place, um, the, the, the sort of construction that Ben Israel made in the desert um, for God's presence to dwell amongst them. Uh, so we got a lot of blueprints uh, coming up over the next month plus. Um, I guess similar to last week, we're not going to make it too far into the Parsha. Um, literally just going to read the first two verses and focus in on the second. Um, and we'll then take some uh, questions on it. Uh, as, a, as a bit of a twist, um, I have a, a longer Hasidut piece that, that caught my eye. So for those of you who have clamored for a Hasidut class, uh, you are in luck. And for most of you who have not, I apologize in advance. Um, but uh, we'll do some of that. And Rabbi Rebecca Schatz is also here. Um, okay. Uh, you guys know that refrain pretty well. God spoke to Moses saying, Speak ye verily thusly unto the people of Israel. And I will just read the JPS translation, but there's a few different ways of breaking this down. By Kuli Truma, translated as to bring me gifts here, which I don't love. Me'it kol ish asher yidvenu libo. From every person um, whose heart so moves him. So translated here. Tiku et trumati. You shall accept gifts from them. So I'll, I'll point out a couple of linguistic pieces and sort of share a point and a half about what caught my eye. I'm then curious to hear if there are any thoughts on it, although it's a relatively straightforward verse. So I'm not sure if things are pinging around for y'all. Um, truma is translated here as gifts. It's more frequently um, talked about as an offering. Um, in the context, right, if I'll just, I'll scroll down, scroll down a little bit, um, this is an introduction, sort of a framing for the different materials that um, B'nai Israel are going to be bringing forth for the creation of this, um, of this space. Um, but more commonly, truma is, is an offering, which is a slightly different valence. And of course, translation is always interpretation, right? So truma can be both gift and offering, right? so sort of both embedded in one. What caught my eye about this verse was uh, embedded in this next phrase, this idea of uh, yidvenu libo, um, someone who's translated here, whose, whose heart so moves him. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's this sense of, of like volunteering forth, right? To be nadiv libo, um, this sense of really being moved um, to, to come forward, which is just to zoom out, an interesting idea. Uh, if we're looking to make something communally, specifying it within a group of people who are feeling like it um, is an interesting precondition uh, for those kinds of gifts. 
and then repeating a bit here, tikhu et trimati, right? Every person whose heart so moves him um, should bring, uh, should, should, well, I guess tikhu will, there will be a gift taken, my gifts will be taken from them. Um, and just the other half thing I'll say is I think when it comes to thinking about, you know, a bunch of the things we talk about in this space, um, ritual, connection to communities, spiritual practice, all those kinds of things, uh, at least for me, there is often a tension between doing it because it's the thing to do and doing it because you feel like doing it. How much of what we um, bring forth, whether physically or you know, any more abstract, how much of that do we do? Um, because, right, if, if the only time I ever came to Shul in the morning, unless it's Beitenu, of course, if the only time I ever came to Shul in the morning was every time I really felt like it at, you know, 7 a.m. on Shabbat morning, I wouldn't necessarily come that often, right? But if I come because I feel a sense of obligation, commitment, connection, community, I'll probably go more often. But here, this verse maybe potentially seems to be um, at odds with that, which I think is interesting. Rabbi Schatz, is there anything else you would like to say about this pithy yet thought-provoking verse? Um, so I, you know, that there's something very, very beautiful about this verse in terms of, as Rabbi Shapiro said, like we're about to enter into um, lots of basically design plans for this, for this Mishkan, for this Mikdash. And there's something very personal and intimate about this verse, which starts it all off. Um, And just the fact that it needs to be for me, which in this case means God, but still a personal connection. And that it's also from your heart. So we see later on um, the word chokhmat lev, like the people came and created the Mishkan with a wisdom of heart, which could mean, you know, bringing their skills versus somebody else's skills, right? Artists did a certain thing and craftsmen did another thing. Um, But this is really when your heart moves you. So as Rabbi Shapiro was saying, like not just getting up and going to shul because someone tells you that you have to, but but really doing it when you're moved to do to do that. Um, and that, that that's what those gifts, that's when those gifts, I should say, are most meaningful is when you're really putting your full, your full heart into them. Um, and just because we're still at the beginning of the class, I just wanted to mention that I did, I did quote this verse um, at a Berman's funeral. Why I was trying to meet, I, I was trying to mute myself and I muted you. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, am I not allowed to say this? No, no, um, you're, you're doing great. I'm terrified. I did. I, um, I did. I did quote this at a Berman's funeral because I think that one of the things that we learn from people who give so much to our community, which many of you do, and we've had many congregants do in the past, um, is that they give up their gifts, but we really get to benefit from something. And that's what God's asking for, that we give our gifts, but that God benefits from those gifts. So um, I just, I just find this, this verse to be especially intimate and sweet before we get into what colors to use and what wood to use. And, um, and then it kind of picks up with which 
I'll be teaching with David Kaplinsky tomorrow morning. Um, but, but that also is like a very intimate way of thinking about where we do this spiritual growth and training. So that's all I have. Those, those are my commentaries before we get into the other. Well commentated. Thank you so much. You're ever so welcome. Um, okay. Thoughts specifically on this verse, the wording, the concepts, the what have you. Elon. So I actually find this verse disturbing and, and, uh, it goes back to an old theme of mine, which is God is mafia Don, right? He doesn't, God's not saying, Hey, you know what? If the people want to bring it, they should. There's no suggestion here. It's tell the Israelite people to bring me gifts. That's true. And, and, and you shall accept the gifts. And from every person who's part, some lose them. That's kind of like when the mob goes to the shopkeeper. Nice little store here. You might want to uh, find somebody to protect it. I, I don't find it. Uh, mm. And then he goes on to say, and these are the gifts that you shall accept. Gold, silver, and copper, by the way. Um it's like a protection racket. I, it's, 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 I would have preferred to see a softer, uh, if your interpretation is the more acceptable one, I would have seen, preferred to see a, a softer request. What, mm-hmm. what, how would you see what's interesting about that, Elon, just to ask one clarifying question is I see the, the statement of whose hearts are moved them. I, I see that as a softening, right? That like, it's not everybody in your, your sort of reading an implied, Oh, if your heart so moves you, right, kind of into it. Do you have a, like, what what phraseology would resonate more with you? Um, I'm, I'm going to suggest to the, uh, it would be great if, you know, it's not, there's no. Suggested, uh, suggested contribution to can, enter into can, the museum. Can you imagine, let, let's, let's put ourselves in the time. Could you imagine any of the Israelites at that time going, okay, great, not obliged to participate. See you guys later. I can imagine it. I don't know if they would, but I can can imagine lots of things, but we don't need to get into that right now. Um, But my point being, I don't think that that anyone could read that as a suggestion. Right. Okay. I hear that. That's true. That's true. I think that that's a, it's a very well, um, it's a good case made. I think you are, you're right. I I guess for me, you are, you are correct. And I guess for me, where I still think that there's softness is, is in the Hebrew, right? Like Yudvenu Libo is like such a, such a sweet phrase as opposed to like, give what you can, which they could have said. Um, But, but you're right that by Huli Truma is like a pretty harsh, um, or not harsh, but not soft statement to make um to ask for something like a gift yeah it would be what what would happen if uh if if a roman emperor at the time said uh truma right uh let's right. let's the the absolute and and then added and by the way whatever your heart moves you to do there's no doubt that people's interpretation they would get the joke right they'd be like oh, okay we get it yeah it's a, a point well made point well made uh, Renee, I think um, I, I maybe see it a little bit different than Elon because it, when it talks about the person whose heart still moves him, I don't think they're just talking about <coughs> reg, stum people doing things. I think that they really are talking about 
bringing gifts, that the people who bring gifts, that they really need to bring it with kavana, you know, like uh, sincerity, sincerity, Mm -hmm. and not just doing it because they were told to do it by a chef. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that is what it seems to mean. Um, uh, I'm not sure that that's the part that that Elon is arguing with, but but you but you are correct in terms of it being something that that is supposed to come from the person, right? Whether or not it's being told to them in a harsh way to do so or in a soft way to do so. Um, but it definitely is supposed to come with that covenant, with that intention of heart. Um, if I'm understanding Elon correctly, it just is a matter of like, are you being forced to say you have to have covenant to find something versus are you really coming to it with like a, with an admiration and a love and an excitement towards God to do so. Uh, Rebecca. Um, I, I, I disagree with, with Elon. I think the choice of the word Tuma is an indication that it's something that is being given by the person who's offering it. It's not a masseh. It's not a tax. And so I think it's actually more of an opportunity to give um, I'm guessing that given the environment, there were there was a a need for people to sort of make offerings, and I think God is giving this opportunity. So this is where it can be used, it can be given to the building of the Mishkan. So um, I, I don't think it's it's a it's a tax or force. It's more uh, a giving into the to the human need offer something it truma is an interesting offering to be referring to here as you as many of you probably know there's you know many different kinds of offerings that were given up once we had a temple um and truma is one that is that is a little bit more broad like it's just a general offering to god but when 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 we learn about the Shema, and the only reason that I can quote this for you is because I'm teaching my sixth graders about it right now. When you learn about the Shema and the Mishnah, the time for saying the Shema begins when the Kohanim go into the temple to give Truma. So it's also a type of sacrifice that goes beyond the time of our of our Torah. Right? Like it's it's a type of sacrifice that maybe because it's so general, it it's um, it's a little bit more everlasting in terms of sacrifices go, but but it is a um, it is supposed to be some kind of contribution rather than you have to give your first fruit or you have to give your first animal or your you know your first of a lot of different kinds of things. Um, and I just looked it up to see what another translation would be, and it's a sacred treasure. So it is interesting that 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 word though to us could just mean a general gift or a general um, sacrifice does have some kind of um, personal connection to it that we wouldn't, wouldn't otherwise expect. Uh, Denise. So I think also like just bringing this into that mental health perspective um, is kind of training people to think of ourselves differently because they were just slaves for 200 years. And kind of with a self-concept of not a lot of agency and always being on the receiving end. And um, there's even like a a rule that I heard 
that even like the poorest people are required to give tzedakah, mm -hmm. um, that you can't just think of yourself as a taker, you know, mm -hmm. even if all you can give is like three seeds. Mm -hmm. But, and so I feel like this is kind of in that vein of like, it could be a mafia don thing in a different context, except considering that we're just coming out of slavery and having to learn how to be free and contributing and in relationship mm -hmm. um it seems like just a very helpful instruction yeah it's a really that's a really interesting way of framing it like based on what they've been through and now what they're about to go into just like changing the general kind of communal responsibility or understanding or like mental capacity for for giving and for being part of community and what that means. I, I hadn't thought about that before at this point of the building of the tabernacle. So that's a really a very interesting point. Uh, Karen. <clears throat> I might have missed something along the line here. I can't give gold, silver, copper, and crimson yarn and fine linen. I mean, I can't really contribute that kind of gift. So do you not accept other gifts like being a gabi? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or <clears throat> sending in my $10 note, donation or something. Right. So yeah, it's, the, <laughs> it's, it's something that in 2022 we talk about all the time, especially in terms of like shul dues, right? Like what does it mean to be part of a community if you can't give the money that we're asking you for? Are there other ways to give of your gifts? Um, it's funny that you bring this up because I worked at a synagogue that didn't have dues. People gave what they were able to give. And um and the the rabbi of that shul no longer works there. And he asked me to to send him a text sheet that I guess I used to explain the, the dues model once upon a time at a board meeting. And I can't find it, but I guess it was a good a good um, parallel to exactly what you're saying, which is if you can't give the things that are listed, you're still being asked to give. And so how do you give with your heart? How do you give with that connection of intentionality, even if the the items listed are not in your possession to be able to offer up. Because um, everybody, this comes up later on with that chokhmat lev piece, which I mentioned before, everybody was expected to give something that they were capable of giving. And so it just, you know, depended on what you, what your capacity was. And there's definitely stuff that comes up later on in terms of reframing like types of giving right at a certain point everyone's supposed to give like a shekel towards the you know construction and for people right. who don't have a shekel they give a half shekel right so there there was there was a, a a dues adjustment model already back uh in in biblical times um i was also thinking about um this is nothing to do with what i prepared but i, I was also thinking about in response to what Elon was saying and then what others were saying in terms of the, the tension between saying, here are the financial expectations to sustain a community and pay what you can because we want you here, right? And, and like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Rabbi Schatz and, you know, and Rabbi Helfand at her previous place of employment clearly found a way to do it in such a way that they managed to balance both of those things, which is admirable and and really lovely and it's and it's tricky 
you know, I, I think there are some real questions around how to do that. It's a conversation that we've danced with a bit here um, and figuring out the ways in which to do that um, have seen, have, have, have like, it's not a no, but, but there have been some real questions raised about it. Um, Re- Rebecca, were you talking about the, the human need to offer something? Was that you who said that? I, I love that. I think that that's a really beautiful way um, of thinking about how we can be um, in relationship um, with each other. I just, uh, where was, I wrote it down. The quote that somebody said that I loved on this, which is basically in a completely different thing I was in a couple of weeks ago, basically like have, having resources is in turn um, the opportunity to then share those resources, right? It's not like just for you. Um, it's something to then share. And there was actually a really lovely example of that um, this week in our community. So we opened up our, our family Shabbaton this week for families with, you know, younger kids to come up to Camp Ramah. And registration was, was bana- bananas. People are ready to go out and spend time together and get out of the city. It filled up super, super quick. It was remarkable and mildly stressful. Um, long wait list. Um, and one of the really, probably the most remarkable thing about that for me was not the demand, but on the form, um, we invited people who are able to, right? Because we have people ask us for financial help to be able to come on the Shabbaton. And of course, we never want finances to be an obstacle for folks to be able to do that. Um, and we want to help out. And, and it ain't cheap, right? It ain't cheap to go away for, for two nights at, up at Camp Ramon these days. And so we also have a line on there inviting people who have the resources to, you know, share some additional funds on top of the cost for the weekend um, to help support people who are asking for um, a little extra to be able to make it work. We got more than we were asked for, right? We were asked for X amount and the, the extra donations that people made were X plus, right? To be able to um, support people who need a little extra help to come. And I think, first of all, that's just beautiful, right? Like that's, re- that's really lovely um, and really made my heart sing. Um, I think that's a really, really um, lovely illumination of, of how kind people in our community can be and how thoughtful and how they can extend themselves. Um, and I think Rebecca speaks to that, right? That, that human need to give, right? When you need, when you need like that, that little invitation, right? Just to say, hey, might, might you think about giving a little extra here? Um, to support the community um, in a way, you know, in, in a different kind of way. I, I have more to say about this, but I see Karen has her hand up, so I will pause for Karen. Karen, speak. Speak, Karen. Because I give so much to the show. You're very, I, okay. Uh, uh, these things are for the Mishkan. Right. Okay. Now, that's different, really, because you want this to be a special place. Right, and not not. I mean, look at our synagogue. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's not like my house or the store down the street. It is different and built with a lot of care and wonderful things. So that sort of makes it a bit. Do you know what I'm saying? It has to be. Give me, give me two, give me two more sentences on that. Well, the gold and the da 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 da. The the shul is a special place. Yeah. And 
I don't know. Maybe people who go to a shul in a rundown building love it just as much. You know, of course they do. So um, some of us feel more comfortable in the more Hamish rooms of the institution. I got Not it. naming any names. I know. I got it. I got it. <laughs> but um, I guess I just twisted my head to say, okay, gold, silver. I mean, things that are not that ready, ready not as available to everybody. Yeah. Well, and I, I wonder also then in turn if it's a way of thinking about how there are, like, this isn't the, the only time in the tour that, that we are asked, invited, d- demanded, if you're going with Elon's understanding, right? This isn't the only time that we're told hey, here's something to give, and it's only this, right? There are specific items listed here, and, you know, ex- extrapolating that out to, you know, modern synagogue life, um, sometimes you're on a capital campaign, and you're not going to give Gabaut to support a capital campaign, right? Because that you can't write a check for that, you know what I mean? But there are lots of other contexts in which dip- different types of giving are still vital to the functioning of a community. Right. Right. So, so I do think, um, that, right. We're looking at a specific verse because that's what we do here. Right. We look at a specific verse, but I think sort of similar to what Rabbi Schatz was saying earlier, if we were to zoom out and look at the different ways in which, um, the Torah talks about, you know, giving, contributing, et cetera, to community. Um, I think we would see a broader picture than just sort of like, you know, gold, silver, and lapis lazuli. Right. That's my sense of it, at least. Denise, I see your hand, and, and Paula. Okay, so it came up in the Parsha a few weeks ago. Um, maybe Bo, maybe not. Um, but around the time of leaving Egypt. And and it talks about leaving with riches and gathering all this stuff. And, and I, it jumped out at me because I never thought about it before. And it was like, wow, there's this whole idea, totally separate topic, but there's this whole idea that slavery and freedom is not only tied to economics, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, there's a whole other component there and you can be wealthy and still be a slave and not free and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. With all of that in mind, they came out with these riches and maybe there was something that needed to be elevated about it, that you couldn't just come out of there with riches and then hoard them up and start thinking about yourself as some kind of future millionaire that you've had to give it and, and make it holy and do something beautiful with it. I love, I love that. I mean, it makes me think of the construct of um, at least in the Torah, right. Talking about being Eved, Eved Mitzrayim or Eved Hashem, right. That like this construct that you're either, um, in, in the in the words of another famous Jew, you got to serve somebody, right? That you're you're either um, Elon like the classic rock reference. There you go. We might we might be differing on interpretation of the verse, but I gave you a classic rock reference. Um, so that's something, um, right? That that we're serving Egypt or we're serving God. And so Denise, sort of filtering that through your prism, I think that works really beautifully, right? Where did we get all of these riches? We weren't accumulating them when we were slaves, right? We, we, we snagged them on our way out the door, right? We, we, we did a, we did a bit of a a nice bit of hoarding on our way out of Egypt. And now we're being told that's not just for you to accumulate riches. That's not just for you to sort of take revenge on the Egyptians and ha ha, we've got your stuff. 
it's actually supposed to be put to a holier purpose. Um, and so there's a, almost like a, an elevation process there. And I, I don't think I'm going to get to my longer Hasidu piece. Um, but, but in the, I, Rabbi Shatz is really disappointed. I'll teach it to her one on one over Shabbos. Um, Not that disappointed. <laughs> um, but you're not. Um, but you're so Hasidic. Um, I am. I am. That's true. But that that one of the ways of thinking about the etymology of truma is leharim, right? Like to to raise to raise up. Um, I don't know how well that tracks with the initial etymology, but I saw it in this Hasidic piece. And so Denise sort of bring it back to your um, flip on it, right? We're, we're taking this stuff that was used, you know, came out of oppression, potentially used idolatrously, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're elevating it, right? It's almost like there's a, there's a chuva process happening with the physical material goods um, that, that we took out of Egypt. And I never really thought about that before. Uh, Paula, what are you thinking about? I'm going to build on that and what Denise was saying, being reminding that thing about coming out of slavery with riches, right? With, with things that you have to give. Also feeling that understanding what Karen's saying, you can't always give materially. Um, and I read an article this morning about women and philanthropy and how women donate time and effort, not just money and how, um, which is different than um, men and women, single women give more than single men, both money and time, which is also really interesting. But what I was, (laughs) the spiritual psychological aspect that I was coming back to is Whatever our riches are, I think this calls on us to like dig deeper, whatever they are. So dig deeper so that we can um, dig deeper within ourselves so that we can give our gifts. Whatever those gifts are, our our kindness, our, you know, our dominating ability, our participation in class, our, you know, resources. Totally. But um, and I and I like that that it's a it's a heart practice, not an intellectual practice. You're not looking at your budget, going, "What do I do?" But you're you're moving your heart and going, "I'm going to just like you said in your example, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to give more than than because that's the right thing to do." Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I would I would expand that I think even further. Um, you know, going back to something I think Denise was saying at the beginning of the class in terms of how there's actually an expectation that everyone should give tzedakah. Everyone should give. Um, even if you don't have much, um, you're expected to give. Now, what does it mean, right? And then that begs the question, well, what does it mean to give, right? And I think that that's where the reflective piece comes in a bit too. It's, it's to pause and say, okay, what, what can I offer? What am I obligated to offer? What am I willing to offer? Um, an offer can be financial, right? We wouldn't have the building, right? If we, did, if we didn't have that, don't get me wrong. And what deepens a, a sense of community isn't just people writing checks. We need people to do that. We absolutely do. And if people just write a check and leave, that's not a community, that's an investment firm, right? So we, we need both. 
and we need people to be able to cultivate some kind of reflective practice. And Paul, I think I hear you saying this to, to look inwards and say, what, what can I offer? And maybe even to push ourselves a bit and say, what is maybe a, a stretch for me to offer? And again, that's not just financial, but like, what's a new ritual skill I'm working on to support this, right? What's a way in which I can give my time that I haven't yet done before? Um, what's a way of welcoming new members in a way that I haven't yet done? What's a way of, like, there, there are fortunately and unfortunately an unending need in our community, even with our professional staff and even with our financial resources, there is no end to the ways in which people can give to our community. It's a need. It's wonderful that our direct, our brand new director of programming and engagement is on this call because this bridges over beautifully to his work. Welcome, new guy. Um, right? The sense that, right, part of being engaged is helping people find ways to channel their gifts, right? And and that's, right, What what's the best way in which people can offer their gifts to our community? I think it's a, it's a beautiful question. And now Elon's going to yell at me that got just a mafia done again. Yes, Elon. And so this, you asked me before, how would it be better phrased or what would I feel more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what, what's off-putting to me in the, in, the, in, the, in the sentence is the give to me a gift. So if it were phrased more, I'm going to use obviously not formal language, but if this, it was more to the lines, hey, we're building a Mishkan. Everyone's got to be in on it. We're a part of a community. I would be perfectly comfortable with that. But that's not what it says. It's not saying we're building a Mishkan and you have to donate or not even forget that you have to. We would love you to donate to your ability what you can to the Mishkan. Yeah, yeah. That's great. But why does God, and this is a, it's kind of a little bit of a, deep, a different question. Why does God feel the need to say gift to me? Gift to the community? Great. Give to me God. Why does God need that gift? Yeah. Or why does God need to phrase it as a gift to God? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate, I mean, I appreciate that framing and I appreciate that, um, you know, that, that sort of turning it into a question. I think that that's an interesting question, right? Why does it, why does it need to be phrased that way? Um, I, I, I have, Renee has her hand up, so I have thoughts, but Renee will answer comprehensively and completely, and I won't even get a chance. Renee. Going along with what Elon said, not only is, is it the issue of the gift to God, but like, what does God need? A basketball? Uh, you know, flowers? What, what are we supposed to, what does he really need? Even though it lists those things, does he really need any of that? Oh. That's such a good segue into my much longer Hasidut piece that I now definitely don't have time to do. I'm going to share, I'll share, share part, I'll share, share I'll share a part of it. Um, Wait, can I just say something before you share a part of it? You can say two somethings, Rabbi Schatz. Thank you. I, I really love that, Renee, because I think, and hopefully this isn't taking over whatever Hasidic text Rabbi Shreya is about to share, but... It would be fantastic if you channeled it completely. That would make my week. Okay, I'll try. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think that there is something inherent in that question that shows that it isn't about God, but it's about us. That we actually need to be the ones to decide not necessarily what it is that God needs, but what it is that we need to give. Because if we, if we give something, 
we know either we assume that it's needed and that's why we're giving it or we're giving it because we believe it'll be helpful to receive. Um, at Sue Ashley, she, uh, David Kaplinsky, one of our rabbinic residents taught a, a source from Shmot Rabbah. I think it was Shmot Rabbah. Um, that actually talked about just this idea of, of giving, yeah, it's Shmot Rabbah, that making a purchase, but others don't really know what it is. And I, I said, when I heard that teaching, that it made me sound like thrift shopping, right? That you give up something that once was meaningful to you, but that you no longer need that someone else is going to find real beauty in. And that's why you give it because you hope that someone else will find that that beauty in it. So I love the question of what does God need? Because I think in turn, it actually makes us think about not necessarily what does God need, but what do we want to give to God um, of ourselves, which I just think is a really, a really powerful statement. It's not what the Hasidic text says, but it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Hasidic master by any imagination. Well, some would disagree. I don't know who they are, but I'm sure some would disagree. Yeah, no one. Uh My... Karen, Karen, it, Karen, that's the biggest eye roll I've gotten out of Karen in a very <laughs> long time. So it's nice to see I've still got it. Um, I, I, Marlise, I see your hand. I just want to say one, one thing quickly before it flies out of my brain, um, which is that th- this is an idea I've cited a couple of times in this class that I love this idea that um, a big narrative thread in not just the Torah, but in the whole Tanakh is that it's the story of how God is learning how to be in relationship with us, right? This idea of the Tanakh as a story with God as the protagonist and God's journey is learning how to be in relationship with people. Um, And we're still relatively early on, right? And I think Denise, maybe you were saying this earlier, right? This idea that um, it's still it's still new, right? This, that we were in slavery for a while. And so maybe we really don't know how to be in relationship with God. And this is God kind of trying something out and saying, maybe this is the way, right? Maybe, maybe this is a way that we could be um, in relationship together. Interesting, of course, as well, that um, the story of the golden calf is right in the middle of all of these Mishkan verses, which I'm sure we'll explore in some capacity over the next month or so. Um, but but maybe this is God saying, hey, let's try this. I know you got some stuff. We're going to make a space. Uh, give what you want to give. It should be some nice stuff. Let's see how it goes, right? That it that it's not God is mafia don. It's God saying, well, hey, we're in relationship together. Um, I don't know. I like nice stuff. You got some nice stuff. Let's, uh, let's see what we can make, right? That it's, that, it's pe- that it's two parties trying to figure out how to be um, in relationship with each other, just a very different valence than some of the other theologies that have that have been floating around today. But um, I wonder about that too. I have a couple of other thoughts, but Marlise, wearing a very groovy hat, has had her hand up for a while. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just what was you were saying, and some others were saying, made me think about um, if we're only giving it's kind of one-sided and we, you know, and not really that perhaps fulfilling or healthy of a relationship. And, um, and if we are made in God's image to be like God, why wouldn't God also receive too? Um, and this whole later says that, you know, we're building the Mishkan so that God's presence can dwell with the people. So, yeah. 
that's I'm just thinking it's not just what we can give, but what we can receive. Re, you know, receiving is also a gift to the giver too. It can be looked at that way. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that, right? We we hear in a lot of biblical and rabbinic sources, right, the sense that God wants to be in relationship with us, right? That that God is lonely. And God wants to figure out how to be in relationship with us. Um, and that this is maybe trying to figure out um, ways to do it. I also um, cited this verse in relation. I was at uh, the Shiva for Ibrahim last night. And I also cited this verse there. Um, and I, I saw a really lovely um, teaching by Reb, Reb Nachman, a shorter Hasidic teaching, a different Hasidic teaching. It's a Hasidic morning here on Exploring the Parsha. Um, talking about this idea that there is right there's an ongoing flow of divine energy of divine goodness into the world but that it needs to be held right like like the energy might be out there but there needs to be some kind of container for it there there needs to be some way of of holding on to it and having a way in which it's sort of carried in the world and Reb Nachman talks about how one of the ways that we can do that is by being Nadiv Lev is by volunteering our hearts, is by choosing to come forward, is by choosing to give what we can. And when we do that, that creates the container for that divine energy in the world. And I think that that is a way of thinking about relationship too, that it's not, it can't just be one way, right? It can't just be, right? A healthy relationship isn't just, right, unidirectional. I mean, that's not even really a relationship, right? A healthy relationship is there's, there's some back and forth. And Marlies, going back to what you were saying, um, in terms of, right, the giving and receiving, right, there's an element of, of mutuality there, right, and that they sort of enfold the other. Um, and I talked about that in relationship to Abe, like, look, I haven't seen the donor receipts, I'm sure Abe and Annette have given generously to the shul over the years, I'm sure they have. And Abe gave of himself to read Haftarah two weeks shy of his 100th birthday when we opened the sanctuary, Right? That's giving, right? That's a different type of giving. And that's also being really giving. And that's being in relationship, you know? And, and I think also, I have this very, very clear visual memory of him reading Haftarah, like in the center of the sort of circular sanctuary, right? This idea of that offering being central to what community is, right? Finding a way to really dig into the skills that you have, the passion that you have, even at 99 plus years old and to find a way to bring that forth in community, I think that's being Nadiv Lev, right? I, I think that's a big part of what this is talking about, um, which again involves some, Paul, going back to what you were saying, this idea of like really reflecting and thinking about, okay, what, what can I offer, right? What's a, di- what's a different type of offering? What's a personal type of offering that I can bring into this community? Um, Rashats, how you doing over there? I'm great, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. You've been very quiet. Do you have anything that you want to make sure to? I'm not particularly well, physically. I have a quiet... what? Yeah. What? No, I was just about to say I'm not. I I hurt my knee this morning. I'm not particularly physically comfortable, so I'm just I'm I am listening and also quite distracted. <laughs> this is the problem with having a standing desk. Now you're like like. No, it's okay to stand. I just my knee is currently throbbing. So. Well, Rafu Ashley Ma. <laughs> Rabbi Rebecca Shots. I'm totally fine. It's just the only, it's the reason I've been quiet. Okay. Wait, did you put ice? I have ice on it right now. Yeah. Thank you. Tylenol? 
Yes. <laughs> I have Tylenol, Advil, ice. We're doing we're doing great. Um, uh, Susan Mamet is actually going to do acupuncture on her as soon as this class. Oils for you. <laughs> there was one. Totally fun. I, I shouldn't have said anything. It's just the Chicken soup. Chicken reason. soup. It's the reason I'm distracted. You should have some chamomile tea and some beetroot. (laughs) Rabbi Klinkfeld told me I should have tequila. So we all have our suggestions, you know, and then there you go. Beetroot infused tequila. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rabbi Schatz, I have a question for you. And then Renee Renee is prompting me privately to bring the Chassidut piece. So I I promise I I will. Oh, uh, Arnica cream, says Paul. We're sharing. I want to make sure all of our two podcast listeners also get the full gamut of opinions for how to yeah. uh, one of our podcast listeners was actually here today so i think it might only be one but yeah. hi sherry yeah. um i also have cbd i am here hi and you have chocolate chocolate is my addition there you chocolate. go chocolate there you go thank you everyone this is all this is all very helpful i'm sure everything will be totally chocolate used <laughs> beetroot with a shot of tequila okay you had a question for me i think do you know off the top of your um her noggin knee, how like it nadav and avihu nadav is like nadiv lev right same z's um i mean yeah that's that is that is the same root of so the I, word yeah i i think it's interesting that nadav and avihu who for those who need a refresher course who don't know the story right that two of aaron's sons who in some way transgress um, the way in which they're supposed to be engaged in the priestly service and poof go boom and are smote going back to Elon's mafia Don metaphor, right? It's, it's interesting. Where that actually does work. I mean, that is really what happens. Yes, that definitely works. Yeah. Yeah. And the Torah does say poof go boom. Um, <laughs> that uh, it's interesting sort of on the other side of things that I was, that I was pushing on towards the beginning in terms of that tension, like, if all you have, right, is being Nadiv Lev, right, if, if all that moves you is your, your passion, your zeal um, to be close to God, right, there, there need to be parameters for that. And that's part of what comes up in the Nadav and Abihu story, which also makes me think about, um, you know, why, why specific uh, structures, guidelines, um, specific materials are being named, right? If you're going to be Nadiv Lev, here are the ways in which you can do it, right? I, I think this happens sometimes at Beth Am. It would happen often when I worked at Beit Shuva, right? People would be like, I want to come and volunteer my time, to which we'd be like, okay, but but what do you want to do? I want to do this. Yeah, that that's actually not, <laughs> right? That That's actually not what we're looking for right now, you know, in terms of what, what helpful um, contributions would be, right? So sometimes there's also a sense of what what is a helpful framework for what those uh, contributions uh, might look like? Okay, the people want Hasidut, or at least one person does. Um, I, uh, I, I'm gonna, it's a longer piece. We're not gonna get into all of it, um, but what I, I'm gonna focus in on sort of the parable here towards the middle. Um, in terms of this idea of being in relationship with God. And some people, like Ilan was asking, and um, others are starting to talk about this idea of, well, well, what does God actually want in terms of being in relationship with God? Um, and this comes off of sort of earlier on, this sense of, um, you know, we like to think, 
that the songs and the praise and the prayers that we offer um, magnify and, and sanctify God. This is a teaching from uh, Reb Shlomo of Lutzk, who was a, a student of the Magid of Mezrich. Thank you to Rabbi Art Green for the translation of the teaching. Um, how we think we elevate God by doing that. But actually, uh, the Talmud says the best thing of all is silence. And like an invaluable pearl, anyone who begins to speak its praise diminishes it, right? If there's something so, so, so beautiful, we talk about it being beyond words. It's indescribable. So how much more so for God, who is beyond everything that is beyond? And even by trying to use words, I'm diminishing God, right? So what, what is it then that words and songs and praise and prayer are, are for, right? You see in the teaching, we try to squeeze the indescribably great divine illumination and, and life force into letters, into just a few letters. Can we, can we really do that? Okay, so here's, here's the parable. Yet even so, our efforts are quite dear to God and much beloved by way of a parable. You guys will see that, that this is a parable that easily resonates with me. It sometimes happens, often happens, that when a father and child are playing, the child grabs hold of the father's beard, hair, or some other part of his head. The child pulls it down to his little face in order to play with him. This gives the father great pleasure, enjoying it even though it might seem annoying and an affront to his dignity. Were anyone else to do this, it would hurt him. But since the parent loves his child, and see that the child loves him very much and longs for him as well, it is clear that the child does this out of love. The lesson is clear. Even though our words and letters diminish the divine brilliance, God cherishes them as an expression of our love. Mm. And so then he's, he spins that out into talking about, right, if your heart is inspired, that's what means the, the offering is, is taken. So I bring that, like I said, it's, it's part of a larger piece. Um, but in terms of thinking about being in relationship with God and, and, and also as per what Rabbi Schatz was talking about in terms of being in relationship with each other, thinking about the ways in which, um, we can be close to each other. Right. And if it's really a special, holy relationship, right. Going to the kid, right. I wouldn't really tolerate it if someone in the middle of the street ran up to me and tried to tackle me. That is assault, and I would not stand for it. But when I walk into my house and my kids swarm me and sometimes, often, actually really hurt me, um, it's one of my, the favorite, my favorite parts of the day, right? Like when I go and get the kids from school, Rafi, because he's out early because he's in preschool and the older boys are, right, they're, they're still in class, but he's already out. He does this adorable thing because he has his backpack and this is lunch bag sort of attached to his backpack. And so he like runs to get me, but he sort of like lists to the side where his lunch bag is. And then he sort of like course corrects and then he like lists to the side again. And I get down on the floor and he, ch- and he tackles me and we fall down. And again, I do not do that with most people, right? If I saw someone running up to me in the street with a lunch bag attached to them trying to tackle me, I, I would not be very excited about that opportunity. And I would move as quickly as I could in the other direction. But because he's my kid and I love him. And he's a baby. And, right. But, 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 but here, t- I, I think that also works in terms of the construct of why is God asking, right? God's asking, give, give these gifts, give these physical things. Really, that's it. 
Yeah, B'nai Israel are spiritual babies. They're just in slavery. They have no idea what it is to be in relationship, right? God's trying to find the ways for us to be close to God because God wants to be close to us, right? And and I think we're, we're, we're running out of time and I can keep riffing on it. I'm curious if, if folks have, have reflections on the teaching, um, but I think, I think it's a nice parable. Interesting way of framing the conversation. I will pause and Rabbi Schatz will tie a bow. Well, I want to show this song at the end. Oh, okay. Well, it's a musical bow. Okay, I can share it. Well, hold on, can I say, well, I was going to see if people wanted to say anything to the yeah. thing. Are we running out of time? Rabbi Schatz says we're running out of time. No, I, I actually haven't said anything, but. Rabbi Schatz is communicating telepathically to me that we're running out of time. No, if people have something to say, great. I just didn't see any hands. Rebecca. So I'll, I'll just add to your, your story about Rafi. Um, it's a little bit like when kids um, would like to get their parent a, a gift. And so they ask their parent for money. And then when they get a little more sophisticated, they go ask the other parent for the money. And then eventually they learn that that's not the way you give gifts. But this is sort of similar. It's sort of a... Um, somewhat um ungraceful way of of giving yeah yeah and I, I the other thing is you were talking about gifts like when i think about you know if my kids make a make a make a, a drawing or a, a drawing right and they hand it to me right again if someone on the street walked up to me and handed me a picture with a bunch of marker scribbles on it and said i have a gift for you i would say mm-hmm, you sure do but when one of my kids gives it to me right? It's, it's so nice, right? That's a, that's a lovely gift, you know, for them to give to me, right? So but the types of relationship we have dictate how we give and receive in that relationship, you know, and the, and the ways in which that informs things. Yeah, Sherry. Hi, Sherry. Sherry, you're Hi. on with us. It's very exciting. Hi. I'm so Hi. doing things at the same time. No, here's what I actually was thinking of exactly what Rebecca was saying and what Alon was saying, kind of, because God is like a single parent with no grandparents and no other support. And so that's why it's maybe not a mafia parent, because it's kind of like, who else is going to say to him, um, who else is going to say to that kid, go get the card or call or give money? Like, there's no other parent to go to. There's no grandparent to kind of step in. So I don't know. That just... It made me think of that and bring it all together like that. But that's not the bow because I want to see your bow because I never get to see your bow. I only get to hear the bow. Yes. Very good. <laughs> it's, it's nice to know that, that at least some people out there are paying attention to my shtick. Here's my bow. <laughs> Worth it? Worth logging on? Yes, you too yes. out there in podcast land can come <laughs> sign on at 11.59 and see how, I rid- how ridiculous I look with Zoom filters. Take the day off, just so they, you can see Take the Shapiro. day off. Take the day off, yeah. For the dumbest so 30 seconds. With a bow. Exactly. For the dumbest 30 seconds of the week. No. Um, yeah, God. Now, God we need, now you need your, the music from Rabbi Schatz. Yeah, we'll get we'll get, go with your bow. I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a quick bow and then we're gonna get something actually lovely with Rabbi Shot's <laughs> new song. Um, yeah, God God is a is a easily exasperated and loving single dad trying to guide an unruly group of of four year olds through the wilderness, right? Like, yeah, I I could see I could see that or Mafia Don. 
right? But but I think look, I think extrapolating this out, you know, broadly, broadly, I, I think the verse gives us whether you agree with the verse or not, right? I I think it offers up some food for thought as we consider what it is to be in relationship with each other, right? And what we can offer and what we need to receive. We didn't even talk about the other end of it, right? We didn't even talk about the other end, right? When have you gotten something that you really didn't want and how do you clearly communicate what you really want from another person, right? That's another thing to think here, right? We've, right, maybe, maybe some of us have been in that boat. So I think when we think about being in relationship with God, being in relationship with each other, Right. What can we offer? How do we offer? What's the internal work that we can do to determine what's a meaningful offering um, to show our care and to show our connection and to show our commitment um, to the people, communities, divine entities, right, that, that we care about and want to be in relationship with. And now. I do, yeah, I just want to sing. Yeah. Well, oh, Rabbi Schatz is stealing my bow. Stealing your bow. I just want to. I wish I could apply a zoom filter to you. Can I do that? Can I put a bow on your head? No. All right. I have a bow on my head. Because you're from today. Because I'm from today. Yes. I choose to be from. You're always from. Okay. So the the only thing that I was going to add on to that is that I think, and, and we talked about this a little bit, but I think that it is really important for us to think about the ways in which we give, um, because sometimes, as Rabbi Shapiro said before, sometimes we give in the ways that we are being asked to give, right? You get a letter from the shul or from your gym or wherever that says you owe such and such amount of money. And so you give it. But there are other ways of giving that that really do come from your heart, that come much more from a place of of love and intention um, that are not necessarily monetary are not necessarily time, right? They could be anything, but they allow us to feel as though we are giving and therefore also receiving something back from whether it's a synagogue or a, a person or whatever it is that you, by giving something of yourself, you're also receiving something back. And I think it's just important for us to think about the ways in which that actually works in our regular daily lives um, and not just, not just from the Torah. So, okay, let's, uh, I want to share with you this. Did you just say Torah? Did you just say, hey, that was very from way of saying Torah. 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 Kind of like the gift we get from both of you every Friday. Oh, well, you know, you need better gifts, Renee. (laughs) Okay. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who is this? What's happening? What What's going on here? Who His name wrote is this Aton Katz. All right. Okay. He wrote this song. It's brand new. It just came out today. Is this is this like a a, 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 a drop? Is this an album drop? Shit, no, it's 
temporary housing so we have about a month to find the permanent housing in Canoga Park but there is a sign up genius for anybody who's interested in either donating physical things or sponsoring various expenses that they're going to have in the beginning so if anybody wants that I, th- I think the whole show must by now know how to reach me but APSPAR at yahoo.com you can get me through Elon you can get me through the rabbis but please 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 um if you have anything oh, that you yeah. might be able to donate, we would very much appreciate it. And then also, you, if you don't know how to find Annie, you can just go to the Olam Chesed Yibane page, and it's in there. I put the link in the chat if anybody here wants it, just to give a, a touch more context, as I know we're, we're over time. Uh, Temple Beth Am, there's a, a, a family, family, they're refugees from Afghanistan that we are helping to support as they move into the LA area. Um, and I think also a good example, Annie, if I, if I understand correctly about the project that there are lots of different types of contributions needed, right? Absolutely. You can give financially. That is of course, welcome. If you have g- gently used clothing, furniture, right? There are, there are lots of different, right? Time. If you're able to help drive um, this family around, is it getting acclimated to LA housing, of course, would be the biggest piece, but anybody has housing in Canoga park, please talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for contributing in yeah, the thank you. to that project thank you for letting me and pitch. across the community. Yeah, thank you, Andy. That was that was really meaningful. Uh, we will see you all hopefully over Shabbat and come to Kol Tefila. If you I can't come this Shabbat, we would love to see you next Shabbat. And Shabbat Shalom! Mm-hmm.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.